Hi there. This is the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and you are listening to episode number six, Arguing with Reality. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little bit since the last episode and I apologize for being MIA for a couple weeks. I am coming off a few of the craziest weeks I've had in a while. You know those weeks when the challenges keep coming one after another and it feels like you're just trying to keep your head above water? Well, that's been me. But we're hanging in there and needless to say, I've had plenty of opportunity to apply the very tools I talk about on this podcast. So I actually decided on this subject and started writing this podcast about three weeks ago. And then with everything going on, I didn't get a chance to record it. But the interesting thing is that I wrote it all out and just a couple of days later, it was like the universe decided to test me to see if I really believed this and if I could really apply this concept in my own life which I think I had a pretty good grasp on it, but after the past couple of weeks, I can look back and see how I've come to understand it so much better. Sometimes you know something, you can explain it and teach the concept really well, but the actual application to your current circumstance is a whole different story. And I was thinking about this and I remembered a BYU devotional talk from a few years ago, one of my very favorites called Experiment and Experience by Jennifer B. Nielsen. And she's a chemistry professor, and her talk is just brilliant, I think. And one of the things that stuck out to me was when she talked about the importance of experience in teaching scientific theories to students. She points out that if the principles of chemistry are taught as pure theory without any opportunity for hands-on application, students don't really come to understand them, and they end up seeing science as difficult and pointless. But when students are able to experience science using actual hands-on experiments, the concepts come alive and become much more meaningful. She says the words experiment and experience come from the same Latin root, which means to gain knowledge through repeated trial. And in science, the word trial refers to an experiment that's repeated over and over in order to learn something valuable. So I was thinking about the concepts and tools of coaching and how I love learning about them and talking about them and teaching them, but that they become so much more real and meaningful when I'm given opportunities in my life to actually apply them. They really are all just theories and concepts and ideas until they're put to the test in real life situations. And sometimes applying them is very easy and everything clicks and makes sense and things can change pretty quickly. But some circumstances take a little more work and persistence and deliberate effort to apply these tools before we see that change and get those results. So these concepts remain theories until we actually apply them to our own individual experiences. And so I've been given lots of opportunities lately to use this work and apply these concepts and really put these ideas that I teach to the test. And I have to say, sometimes it's really difficult to see what's going on in your own head. And I've been reminded that there's a lot of value in having someone who is removed from the situation and not emotionally invested in it to help you kind of see 
those thought errors and show you a different perspective. And that's been really helpful for me in dealing with some of these challenges to remind myself that even coaches need a coach sometimes, someone who can help you get out of your own head and see what's going on. So it's interesting to see how easily we can get caught up in our own thoughts and buy into things that aren't really true and that end up causing us a lot of emotional stress and pain. And I guess that's why I love this work so much because like I've said before, it gets you to the root of your problem. It helps you see what you do have control over when things feel very out of control. So I'm super happy to be back. I've really missed this the past couple of weeks and let's get on with the podcast. I'm sure you're all on the edge of your seats by now, excited to hear the topic for this week. So for this episode, I decided, like I said a few weeks ago, to talk about the tendency we have to argue with reality. And let me explain what that means. We generally have an idea of how we think things should be in our lives or how we want them to be, or we have an expectation of what our lives should look like. We have ideas about what our spouse should do, what choices our children should be making, what our house should look like or what our bodies should look like, or how people at church or at work or in society should behave. We have lots of opinions about how things or people should be. So in case you didn't catch it, the key word here is should. And I found a couple of definitions of this word. One, the word should means what is probable or expected. And two, should indicates obligation, duty, or correctness, and is typically used to criticize someone's actions. So when we use the word should, we are essentially saying that circumstances or people aren't the way we expect them to be or want them to be, and that this is a problem. We think that they should be different. So we are arguing with the reality of what's happening and thinking it shouldn't be this way. And sometimes this sounds good and right and innocent when something's happening that we think is wrong or that we don't approve of, but this little word should can actually cause a lot of problems. So I love what Byron Katie says about arguing with reality. And if you don't know her story, it's kind of an interesting one. She had been in a deep, debilitating depression for many years and eventually checked herself into a halfway house for women. And while she was there, she had what you would call an epiphany, a kind of awakening from her depression, and she immediately saw the world in a completely different way. She realized that much of her depression and suffering for the past 10 years had been caused by her thoughts about the world and about the people in her life, and that those thoughts and those beliefs weren't necessarily true. They were optional and she didn't have to believe them if she didn't want to. It's a pretty remarkable story, and her work of questioning beliefs, which I talked about in the previous podcast, has been really transformative for a lot of people, myself included. So Katie talks about how we struggle and cause ourselves unnecessary problems when we argue with reality, when we get hung up on the way we think things should be instead of accepting the way that they are. And the problem with arguing with and resisting the way things are is that it can cause us a lot of stress and frustration. Katie says, I am a lover of what is because it hurts when I argue with reality. We can know that reality is good just as it is because when we argue with it, we experience tension and frustration. When we stop opposing reality, action becomes simple, fluid, kind, and fearless. It's awesome. So what she's saying is that when we fight against or resist something that's happening, we experience more tension, more stress, more anger, more annoyance, or more pain because we think we know what should be happening instead, right? We believe we know a better way. And this concept might be a bit of a challenge to grasp 
because most of us in the church were raised with a very strong sense of moral right and wrong. And so when we see things that we interpret as bad or disobedient or wrong, we think it shouldn't be happening. We think people shouldn't do the things they do or think the way they think or that certain things shouldn't happen. But when we get ourselves worked up in thinking that people are wrong or that those things shouldn't be happening, we create emotions that are generally more negative and serve us far less than the more productive and peaceful ones. So let me give you a quick example of this. A couple weeks ago on a Friday, we had been out of the house all afternoon and when we got home, I hurried to get dinner started and straighten up the kitchen and I noticed that the wood floor by the sink looked wet and had bubbled up a bit. Not good. And after further investigation, we realized, much to our dismay, that we were dealing with a slab leak, which for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a broken pipe under the concrete foundation of the house. Well, there was a break underneath our kitchen and it was causing water to seep up through the floor and ended up causing some pretty significant damage. Well, around here, because of the age of the houses and the particular pipes that were used when they were built, when one pipe starts having issues, you know more are coming. And we decided that instead of risking more damage down the road, we would just repipe the whole house. And when the guy from the company came over to give me an estimate, he said, it would probably be a, a three-day deal, quick and easy. But um, I know now that that estimate was definitely best case scenario and I highly doubt that ever happens, maybe very rarely on small jobs where everything goes perfectly. And because of some unforeseen setbacks and complications, this turned into a much bigger ordeal than we initially thought it would be. And almost three weeks later, we're still in a pretty big mess around here, waiting for the 120 holes in our walls to be patched up so we can put furniture back into place and put our closets back together. And the way things are going, I don't anticipate it's going to happen anytime soon, at least not as quickly as I would like. Now, when the first leak happened, I wasn't too excited, but I did a pretty good job of managing my mind. I was positive and hopeful and thought, this is a pain, but in the scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. But as day after day went on, and as things kept getting kind of worse and worse, I have to say, I started to get pretty frustrated about what was happening. And I won't go into a lot of detail, but we started having issue after issue, and the company handling the repipe job was being difficult and not responding the way I wanted them to. And it just really felt like a big mess. And I may have shed a few tears as I got more and more discouraged with the state of my house and the fact that things seemed to keep going wrong and were taking so much longer than anticipated. And I was also dealing with some other pretty big challenges in the midst of all this. The phrase that kept coming to my mind was, when it rains, it pours. But I realized that telling myself that this shouldn't be happening and that other people weren't handling things well and thinking that this would never get resolved and worrying about what other things might continue to go wrong was not helping me. In fact, it was just causing me lots and lots of unnecessary stress and frustration. And then when I was feeling stressed and frustrated, I was totally unproductive. I was discouraged and kind of negative and not really very fun to be around, I'm sure. But as I've worked to be more mindful and deliberate about my thoughts, I've really been able to get some leverage over all of this as well as the other challenges I've been dealing with and move into a space of productivity and peace and really faith even when none of the circumstances surrounding these challenges have really changed. So that's the cool thing about this work. It can help you out of the space of feeling stuck or helpless and move you to a place of empowerment and confidence and action. So not arguing with reality doesn't mean that you don't deal with things that come up. It doesn't mean that you put up with behavior from other people that you don't want to. But it's more about accepting that what is happening is really what should be happening. Why? 
because it is. It's about accepting that people should be acting the way they're acting. Why? Because that's what they're doing. All of their choices and knowledge and personality and life's experiences have led them to do what they are doing right now. And it doesn't do anyone any good to argue with it or fight against it. We can't turn back time and prevent what's happening in the present, and we aren't supposed to. If you really believe that things happen just as they should, you will take action from a more peaceful, deliberate, and I think from a place of much more wisdom. You'll have better judgment, and if you believe that people are just as they should be, you will interact with them in a more loving, genuine, compassionate way. You won't feel the need to judge or criticize situations or people. That's not really your job, even with your own kids, which is kind of a hard concept for some of us. And accepting all of this will lead you to be more loving and understanding and compassionate with yourself as well. You can know that where you are right now is exactly where you're supposed to be. You can believe that what has happened in your life has happened for you and not to you. That's one of my very favorite thoughts ever, that the things happening now are going to work for me, for my ultimate good, even if I can't see it right now. And you can believe that even though you can't change what has happened in the past, or even what happened yesterday or a couple hours ago, you have the power to decide who you want to be in this moment and what you want to do moving forward. Now, some people like to take this to the extreme and say, oh, so I should just let things happen and I shouldn't intervene if something's wrong. And again, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You don't have to put up with anything you don't want to put up with. But when you stop arguing against what is and shift your energy and focus from the things you can't control in the situation to what you can control, you will come from a place of empowerment rather than victimhood. You will be taking action from a place of intention instead of just reacting. And then you will find real effective solutions for yourself and you'll get to that place that Byron Katie described of your actions being simple and fluid and kind and fearless. I just love that. Sometimes we think that if people would just do what we think they should do, if they would just act the way we think they should act, it would solve a lot of problems. But the tricky thing is that everyone has their own agency, which means they could get to make their own choices about how they'll act. And a lot of time it's not the way we think they should. People have different and conflicting opinions and views on things, right? And if we make our emotional well-being conditional on other people doing what they should do, according to us, we are going to spend a lot of time being frustrated and stressed out and disappointed. So a few years ago, I was in a situation where I had been very hurt and offended by someone, and I knew that this person was a good person, and that if she could really understand how I was feeling, if she could just see things from my perspective, that she would be totally sympathetic and feel so badly that her actions had caused me to feel this way and that she would immediately apologize and want to make things right. Well, I approached her very gently and explained my thoughts and feelings about what was going on and my own experience in the situation and how I'd been hurt. And I was completely blindsided when she got defensive and started putting the blame on me for what had happened. And I couldn't believe it. I knew what had happened, and I had other people agreeing with me that what she had done was hurtful and wrong, and yet she was saying it was my fault. What? I left that conversation feeling even more hurt and frustrated and thinking, how insensitive can she be? I had such a strong opinion and belief about how she should have responded that I kind of made myself miserable ruminating about it and resenting her. I had thoughts like, she should have apologized. She should have felt awful for what she'd done. She should do everything in her power to make this right. Except 
Maybe she shouldn't. Maybe she saw the situation in a totally different way than I did. Maybe she was coming from a completely different perspective. Maybe she has her own suffering going on that I didn't even know about or couldn't understand. Maybe the way she reacted was exactly how she was supposed to react. So looking at the situation this way changed everything for me. I was no longer angry and resentful. Instead, I started to feel compassion for this woman. I realized that there was probably a lot more to this than I could see from my limited perspective and that she was really just doing her best. I saw her as God's child and that he loves her and was concerned about her and her struggles, just as he was with me and my struggles. And I was able to see past my hurt feelings and feel real, genuine love for her. And the amazing thing is that all of this happened without her changing or doing one thing. It was quite the experience and showed me that people don't have to do what I think they should do to warrant my love or approval. It's not my place to judge. And of course, I'll take measures to protect my family and myself as necessary, but so much emotional pain can be alleviated when we let go of what should be and embrace what is. I think that so much of what we try to do in terms of controlling other people or circumstances is based in fear. But when we decide to accept what is and understand that we really can handle whatever it is we're afraid of, we can let go of our need to control the things we can't and we become masters at managing our minds, which is the one thing we really do have control over. I think another way we fight against reality is with our kids. We have lots of opinions about how our kids should behave and what choices they should make, right? I have to remind myself all of the time, especially as my kids get older and more independent, that they have their agency. They have the ability and the right even to make their own choices, and they're supposed to. And I, of course, can give consequences for behavior I don't approve of, but they can still choose to behave however they want. I think sometimes as moms, we implement all kinds of programs or incentives or charts, you know what I'm talking about, to try to get our kids to do what we want them to do or to do what we think they should do, what would be good for them. And sometimes they work, but sometimes our kids just don't care, right? They're not motivated by the incentives or the consequences. They just want to do what they want to do. And then we get frustrated and think that something has gone wrong because our carefully crafted system of getting our kids to do chores or accomplish goals or whatever we want them to do isn't working. So maybe I tell my son that if he does his chores, he'll get a certain amount of money or some other privilege, but he'd rather miss out on that incentive than do the work. So then I resort to a consequence, maybe he'll lose something if he doesn't do his chores. But again, he'd rather accept the consequence than spend the time and effort to do whatever chores I wanted him to do. And he can make that choice, right? In the end, he gets to choose whether he does it or not. Now, I'll want to be sure to follow through on that consequence, but sometimes that happens, right? And I can either become a crazy woman trying to force him to do the chores, or I can let him have his agency when I accept that he gets to choose and that he just might make the choice I don't want him to make, then I let go of my need for control and I will probably deliver that consequence from a more patient and loving place than I would if I was all worked up and frustrated about it. And this goes even further than chores. We can teach our kids about the standards and the commandments and give them our opinions about what they should or shouldn't do, but in the end, it's their choice. And if they make a mistake and we're thinking, this is wrong, this shouldn't have happened, that thought can lead to all kinds of feelings of regret or failure or stress or frustration. But what if it's all okay? 
What if it's okay for our kids to make mistakes, even big ones? Are mistakes not ever supposed to happen? Heavenly Father's made provisions for this, right? He knew these kinds of things would happen. That's why it was so important for us to have a savior. The atonement is our safety net when we make the mistakes that Heavenly Father knew we would make so that we can have experiences and learn and grow and become better because of them. Think of the experiences you've learned the most from in your life. They've probably been times when you've messed up or failed at something or made a mistake. And that will happen for our kids too. So I like the thought, maybe this is all the way it's supposed to be. How does that thought feel? To me, it feels like peace and love and confidence in God. And that's the kind of mom I want to be, that I'm trying to be. That's how I want to show up for my kids in any situation. I know that my actions from the place of love and confidence will be infinitely better than they would be coming from feelings of fear or regret or failure. And I'm certainly not perfect at this, but I'm making some pretty great progress. So I know this is kind of a lot to take in, but give this concept some thought this week. I know it's one that might stretch you a little and that's okay. But when you find yourself stressed out or frustrated at someone or something, instead of focusing on and ruminating about how it shouldn't be happening, consider that maybe it's exactly as it should be. I love the scripture in Romans 8.28 that says that all things will work together for good to them that love God. And that verse has brought me so much peace when I couldn't understand why something sad or painful or awful was happening. And I absolutely knew this to be true, that God can take things that seem hard or terrible or even wrong and use them to bless us. I'll share one more experience really quickly. I play the piano and right now I'm the choir pianist at church. And a few months ago I was learning a piece that had this part that was kind of tricky. The fingering was hard and I could tell that this part was going to take a lot of practicing. Now sometimes when this happens, if I don't have a lot of time to practice, I will take the liberty of altering the song a little to simplify it and make it easier for me to learn. So I thought I'd just change this part a little, take a few notes out that I didn't think were really necessary, but that were making the song much more complicated than I thought it should be. But when I removed those notes, I couldn't get my fingers where they needed to be for the notes following this little tricky part. And I realized that those hard notes that I was trying to avoid were actually putting my fingers into the perfect position for the next measures of the song. And when I tried to get rid of them, I actually made things more complicated for myself than if I had just accepted the music as it was written, buckled down and practiced those notes. And when I did that and put the time into learning to play the song as it was meant to be played, Of course, I could do it perfectly. My fingers ended up right where they needed to be to move into the rest of the song. And so that's how I try to view what's happening in my life. I like to ask, how is it possible that this thing that's happening that I don't really like is going to get me exactly where I need to be? It's a pretty powerful question that can help you step back and maybe see the situation from a different perspective. So this is really great stuff. I think you should try it out. It's been really helpful for me, especially as I have faced some pretty crazy stuff the past few weeks. Accepting what is, not arguing with it or fighting against it has really led me to see how I can have peace and confidence and love in situations that are not initially what I would choose to be going through. So thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And if you find this podcast helpful, I'd love it if you would head over to iTunes and leave me a quick review. That would be awesome. Reviews help other people find this podcast who are interested in this stuff too. All right. I hope you have a fabulous week and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. If you like what you hear on this podcast and would like to learn more, 
I invite you to check out my website at motherhoodelevated.com. There you can sign up for a free mini session to see what working with me looks like, as well as find information on classes I offer or get on the list for some weekly inspiration straight to your inbox. Again, that's motherhoodelevated.com. Have a great week.